Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Wow, thank you for being here today. And those of you that are watching online, wasn't that impressive with all those graduates? Wow, I tell you, it's just awesome. Just so awesome. And it's good to see you. You look good. Why don't you look at somebody beside you and tell them, hey, you look good today. You look, you look encouraged. Tell, them, tell somebody else, that's a nice smile you have. And uh, if they're not smiling, that's by faith you're saying that they will smile before the day is ended. And I want to thank God for all of our volunteers, for our worship team. Don't we have a great worship team? Wow, it's awesome. And if you'll notice today, we had an empty place there for a keyboard player. We're always looking to expand out. So uh, if you're a keyboard player, if you're a musician of any kind, let me encourage you to uh, check out our, uh, our worship team and also our wonderful ushers and everybody else who serves. The Father's House couldn't be who it is without serving. And I wouldn't enjoy today if you weren't here. I'd just suck if I was the only one showed up today and did that. You know, that'd take us back to COVID days. We're trying to have church in here. Nobody's there, and I'm trying to visualize you online. But I'm so glad to see you today. And if you're a first-time guest, we are so honored that you would be with us today. We hope that you are blessed. If you have your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, we say this, and because we really believe it, say it with me. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the wife said to her husband, I think you only married me because my daddy left me a lot of money. The husband said, babe, that's not true. I don't care who left you the money. Yeah. So yeah, today we're going to talk about money. And we're going to talk, we're in a series, if you haven't been here, we're in a series called I Didn't Say That by Jesus. And we've been looking at common phrases that people think that Jesus said or verses uh, that are pulled out of the Bible. The first week we looked at YOLO, you only live once, you do, you boo. We talked about that. Then we talked about karma, just be happy. God will never give you more than you can handle. You're too far gone. Last week we talked about peace out. Jesus didn't just say, I'm out of here, but he said, I sent you the Holy Spirit. So today, we want to talk about this phrase that we hear people say, well, you know, you got to be careful because, you know, if you start making money, money is the root of all evil. I think one person at a restaurant said it best when they put out the tip jar. Look at that. Money is the root of all evil. Cleanse yourself here. Wow, I think they had it right. George Bernard Shaw said, actually, it's lack of money is the root of all evil. But let's look at the verse that people um, misinterpret. And it's 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Read it out loud with me. For the love of money. Oh, it doesn't say for money, but what does it say? The what? In other words, you put a greater priority on money than anything else. You love money, money. And there's nothing wrong with loving money is what he's saying here. But just be sure that that's not the number one priority and you're not living your life for just money, 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 because it'll never satisfy. It'll never satisfy. Let's go back and read it again. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people 
craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Now, this verse, I hope you go back and read it in context because he's not just talking about money, but he's talking about the state of our hearts. In this passage, he's talking about what do you really desire more than anything else? What do you put first in your life? What do you live for? Because you know as well as I do, people wander from the faith for a lot of reasons. It could be a sex, uh, a perfectly shaped body, power, too many cats, or dogs, either one. But it's what you focus on more and more. But a lot of people we live in today, I just want to be financially secure. I want to be financially stable. That's all I want. That's what I want. Whatever I have to do to make that happen. Well, we believe today that there's a balanced view that the scripture gives about money and how to deal with money. Um, Money gets a bad rap, I think, in the social media when it comes to churches. Uh, Because we've seen two extremes There's an extreme called the hyper-prosperity gospel. In other words, if you're really spiritual, if you really love God, if you tithe and you do good, then you're going to drive the best car. You're going to live in the best house. And if you see a car you like, you go lay hands on it and you pray that it manifests. That's a new word, right? That it just manifests because you lay your hands on it. And we've seen abuses of that. So we have it way over here. So that's really not a biblical view of prosperity. We're going to look at that clearly, I hope, today. And the other end of that is what I call a poverty mentality. That God wants you poverty, poor. If you're poor, you're spiritual. That's interesting because in the Bible, there's a curse on people that are in poverty. Ooh, how are we going to deal with that? But you see, it's not, it's not people that say, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, <clears throat> I, I'm over here. I, I don't want to get things because if I get things, they can get me. And I don't want them to get me. I don't want anything to come between me and the Lord. So I'll just be poor. I'll just go through life, <clears throat> be poor and have nothing and, uh, and just live my life like that. I think what happens a lot of times is a lot of times we develop what I call a scarcity cycle in our life. And because that we've struggled in the area of finances or we come from a background in which that our ancestors, our parents, our grandparents always struggled, never owned a house, never owned a car, never had a good job. And so we live up, if we're not careful, we grow up with a scarcity mentality. And we say things like this, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to give. And so your children come up and say, hey, you know what? All the kids in school, they got these new things, man. Can, can I get one of those? And then we say these horrible, dreadful words. We can't afford that. We're not like other people. We can't afford that. So what we're simply saying is we never allow for the principle that God may want to bless us so that we could bless other people, right? I mean, listen, if you're a parent or a grandparent, You need to teach your children, and we need to start at this level. You say, well, how can I get out of debt? Well, you can't tithe your way or give your way out of debt. First of all, I just want you to be relaxed today. I know some of you are thinking, man, of all mornings for me to get out of bed and come to church, and today they're talking about money. But I know that's what's on your mind. 
You see the prayer requests that come through. Pray for my finances. Pray I get a job. Pray for us. We need to get out of debt. We're struggling. We're never going to get ahead. So I'm thinking, okay, if that's where we are as a nation, if that's where we are in, in us community, then we need to look at a biblical perspective, not Uncle Billy Bob or some social media guru of how to do that. I learned a long time ago from a, from a Jewish Christian. He said, I would always tell parents to teach their kids to do this. If a kid earns money, have three envelopes. The first envelope is 10% the tithe. Tell them the first thing you want to do is 10% belongs to God, the tithe. You put that in the envelope and they bring it to church and they give. The second envelope is 10% that you save. Tithe 10%, save 10%, and then you live on the 80%. If we teach our kids, if we teach our grandkids this principle, we're putting God first. And second of all, we're making sound principles on how to live. And we won't get to the place that we are as a country that we're spending more money than we've got. And it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And if we're not careful, we're going to implode because you can't keep doing the way we're doing. When I was a kid, I, this is a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. I mowed yards. That's how I started. You know, I, about 10 or 11, I think I had my first job. And by the way, parents, teach your kids, grandparents, teach your kids to get a job. Amen. Teach them to manage the money. Don't just give them an allowance, but give them something to work for that. And then teach those principles, 10% tithe, 10% savings, and 80% that's left. So I wanted a 12-gauge shotgun. I loved, I was out in the country, I loved to hunt like everybody else. So I went to Western Auto and uh, laid it away. That's an old term, lay it away. That's like, that's going to be my 12-gauge shotgun. It's not mine now. I'm not going into debt, but lay it away. Next week, I'll make $2 in mowing a yard. When I go to church, I'm going to take 20 cents. And I'll take the rest of that, didn't save that at that time, to pay off that, buy, pay off that uh, shotgun. Still have it today. That's amazing, isn't it? And uh, it's right beside my bed, so be careful if you try to break in my house. <laughs> and then I said, you know what? I'd like to have a Schwinn bike. That was the big thing, a Schwinn. Do they still make Schwins? I don't even know. Now they got motors on everything. So anyway, but, but it was out of my price range. See, sometimes... God might bless you with something, but it may not be a Schwinn at that time. But I found that a Western Flyer, how many of you remember Western Flyers? Yeah. I, that was, it, it had two wheels, had a chain, it worked real good. So I got, had my gun, now I'm going to lay away that bike. See, parents, we do our kids wrong by always buying them what they want instead of teaching them principles of how to do that. And if not, then we get into this economy that we're in today and everybody's looking to the government to take care of them. And if you look constantly look to the government to take care of you, you're on a fast track to socialism. I don't need any emails. I don't need any political agenda with that. It's just common sense when you study economics, right? So here we are. So what I want to do is be sure that, that money either extends either extreme is not where we want to be. We want to look today about how does God view money? How does God view the word prosperity? I don't use the word prosperity. I had somebody once, one of the pastors that's a friend of mine, he said, uh, do you preach that prosperity doctrine? I said, no, we preach everybody should be poor in poverty. I said, what are you asking me? 
Are you asking me, do I preach the truth of the gospel word? Or do you ask me that, that I'm influenced by social media and I won't ever teach the truth? You see, a lot of times people don't want to teach the truth because it, sometimes it gets a little uncomfortable. But I'm not teaching this today to improve our status here. I'm teaching this today to try to help you to get to that place that you're not always struggling and so that you could take what God has given you and you can be a blessing to others. So I don't use the word prosperity or because it's got a bad rap, but God doesn't care to use the word. Look, Genesis 26 and 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord did what? Blessed him. Now look at this sentence. Underline this. Then the man began to what? Prosper. Underline that circle. And he continued prospering. Underline that circle it. Until he became what? Very prosperous. So God is saying, here's one of my key men in the Old Testament. Because I blessed him, he prospered. And he, I kept prospering him until he was very prosperous. So God's not afraid of the word. Proverbs eleven twenty five: The generous will prosper. Those who, <coughs> excuse me, refresh others will themselves be refreshed. People say, well, what does the word prosper mean? Well, the Hebrew word is salayah. It means to push forward. When God says, I'm going to prosper you, he says, I'm pushing you forward. I'm going to put you in the right place. I'm going to help you make the right context. You ever notice, you ever notice how God has blessed you? That you're, you're in line for that job, and of all the people that's there, you get that job. Why? Because God prospered you. Are you better than somebody else? No. But you've put him first in your life, and he's blessed you. You, you. you look at that, and you say, everybody's saying, now's not the time to start a new business. But you feel like God wants me to start a business. He wants me to own my business. So people say, well, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do because of where you come from. You're a minority. You're a black. You're an Asian. You're something else. Or you've been in prison. There's no way you can start your own business. But isn't it interesting how God takes people that nobody else thought could do anything, and he gives them a dream or a vision to start a business, and then God blesses them, and they become prosperous. Say, well, that's Old Testament, Terry. Well, let's go with the New Testament. Third John 2. Beloved, I pray that you may what? Prosper spiritually. I pray that you would prosper physically. What's it say? So do you think finances is all things? So I believe that when it says here, God says, I want to prosper you in all things. I want to prosper you spiritually, mentally, physically. I want to prosper you financially so that you can bless other people. Look, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So what's a biblical, well, the word there, the Greek word there is to help on the road to succeed in reaching. That's prosper. God says, I'm going to come alongside of you. If you put me first in your life, I'm going to come alongside of you and I'm going to help you in your business. I'm going to help you in the economy. I'm going to help you in that. I mean, I, if, if, if I want anybody to push me, I'd, I'd like to have God push me because nothing sneaks up on him. $5 gas didn't sneak up on him. You see, if your source is your job, every time you come up to a gas pump and pump, you're going to shoot the bird at the gas tank, <laughs> or you're going to cuss, or you're going to blame somebody, you're going to do this. Look, I don't like $6 gallon gas. I don't like $5 gallon gas. You know, 
If I, had, if I could if I have an electric car one day, I might have an electric car. Who knows? Not an electric motorcycle. I'm not that desperate. Okay. <laughs> but my source is the God. God is my source. God is my source. He is my source. So what's a biblical balance definition of biblical prosperity? Look at this. Having more than you need so you can make an eternal difference. Having more than you need so that you can make an eternal difference. I don't know of anyone, well, I, a few people that are just, they don't care about anybody else. But nobody in this church or nobody online. But if I were to sit down with each of you and say to you, would you like to have enough money that you could help people and bless people when they're in a need? I doubt there would be one person to say, no, I don't want to do, be like that. I don't want to do that. I carry in my wallet, I carry what I call God money. And it's money that above and beyond my tithe and my offering, and it's money that I just put in there that's called God money, that when God brings a need to me and says, I want you to help somebody, that I can say, hey, I just want you to know that God loves you, cares for you, and he wants me to give this to you. I hope that's all right. Mother's Day, I saw a single mom. She was sitting by herself, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to go give her that God money you got. I had a $100 bill that I'd tucked away. So I just went to her. No big deal. I'm not going to make a big thing. Just gave it to her and said, just God loves you. He cares for you, and he wants you. I've done that at the gas pump. I've done that at 7-Eleven. It's not always a $100 bill. I don't always have a $100 bill. But I always look at that. It's God money because I really believe that people need to know that God sees them where they are in their crisis. I'm telling you, I've had lots and I've had nothing. I like lots better than nothing. I've lost everything in my life and had to go to the Walmart parking lot and try to find change on the ground so that when I went to church on Sunday morning, I could drop something in the offering bucket because that's what it was. Lost my job, lost everything, everything, my retirement and everything. I mean, all to the bottom. But I'll tell you, in the midst of that, anytime I got an increase, I'm putting God first and I'm believing him. And you know what? Look what he's done here. I, I can't tell you how this happened. I wasn't smart enough to do this. We didn't have an agency that came along side of us. We didn't have anybody to financially support us. We had a dream that God wanted us to do. And we believe that God wanted us to build something that could bless people so that people could bless other people in this world. If you are thankful for that, let's give the Lord a hand clap. So let's get the right perspective towards money. God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. Galatians 3.14, through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. But look at that. He blesses us Gentiles with the same blessing he promised Abraham. So Paul said, I want you to know that I'm going to bless you as a Christ follower with the same blessing that I gave Abraham. So what do we do as Bible scholars? We go, we go back to Genesis and we find, what was the blessing of Abraham? Look at this, Genesis 12 and 2. I will make you a great nation. Right on, Lord. I will bless you. Cool. And I'll make you famous. Wow. Because I want you to be a blessing to others. Can you get this in your heart? regardless of where you are financially right now. Can you get this in your heart? That where you are right now, 
is only a temporary stopover when you put God's principles in line. And he wants to say to you, I want to bless you. I want to make you famous in your realm. That may not be famous that you're on TV or, or you know, that uh, you run a, a major corporation. But famous in your reign. And, and here's the way I want to do it. So that I can funnel through you blessings that you can bless others. Since I've known, uh, since my daughter, Kelly, has been old enough, she's always said this. One day, one day, I'll make enough money that if somebody needs a house, I can buy them a house. That if somebody needs a car, I can buy them a car. Man, she's going through financial straits right now. But you know what? If you talk to her for one second, she'll say, this is only temporary. I'm on my way. One day, I'll be able to buy somebody a house that doesn't have a house. I'll be able to get a car for somebody who doesn't have a car. How many of you would like to say, I'd like to have a blessing like that, that God could flow blessings through me, that I could help others? Luke 12, 28. But anyone who is not aware that he's doing wrong will be punished only lightly. Much is required from those to whom much is given. Do you see that? Much is required to whom much is given. So if you're blessed, in fact, everybody in here is blessed. Listen to this. If your household income, household, if your household income is between forty dollars and $44,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of wealthy people in the world. Top 1%. Now, we don't feel wealthy, do we? Why? Because I think a lot of times our quest is for money and things more than it is what God can flow through me to others. In the Bible, there are a lot of ifs, then ifs, then. There are a lot of promises that God gives us, but they have a premise. Say premise. That means God will say, if you'll do this, then I'm going to do that. If you'll do this, then I'm going to do that. So when I start studying prosperity and, 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 and looking at these, the question I want to ask is, how do I break off of me any love of money over my life? How do I do that? How, how can we do that, right? How can we be sure that we're not living for the pursuit of money? So here's the first one. Write this down. This is the first one. Put God first. Say that with me. Put God first. Say it again. Put God first. I heard somebody say this week, God is not selfish. They are theologically wrong. God is selfish. He said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no. So it simply means if I love something more than I love Jesus, if something more is more important to me than Jesus, then he's simply saying, you've put a God before you. And I, I, I won't live that way. Jesus said it like this. Look at this. Um, Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God. That's the rule of God in our life and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Put God first. How do I put God first? You say, okay, the Terry, I see that. But how do I put God first? Number one. Give God the first part of your day. Give him the first part of your day. When I wake up in the morning in our dark house and make the pilgrimage down the hallway to the restroom, because I'm old. On my way there, 
I, I'm bouncing off each wall trying to walk straight that early in the morning. But here are my words. God, you created this day, and I need you today. I can't do anything without you. And I want you to know more than anything else, more than my first cup of coffee or anything, more than I step on the scale to see how much I've lost or gained, I'm looking to you. I need you. I need you. You know, people say, well, I'd like to do that, but I just, I, I find it hard to be able to do that. So we've got several things to help you. We have a version daily Bible reading we can do. Last week, I gave you the one the Holy Spirit. We got another one this week. So if you go to the Father's House uh, website and scroll down through, you'll find this one. Switch the way of Jesus. Switch the way of Jesus. And it's going to be from today till next Sunday. So go ahead and do that. And every day, join with us in that daily devotion. It'll help you. Second way that we'd like to help you is with the Right Now Media. On the, back of you, on the back of the connection card in front of you, you'll see, give me information about the Right Now Media. The right Now Media consists of 20,000 free videos for you and your family. It's the Netflix of Christian Bible study. So people say, well, we'd like to do a Bible study in our home, but I'm really not sure how to do it. I've got small kids or I've got teenagers or we need to do a Bible study on pornography or we need to do a Bible study on getting physically fit. We need to do a Bible study on tithing, giving and support. So you go to Right Now Media and we pay the money for that. So you get it free. I mean, 20,000 different sorts. So you go there. So how, how you can get that is that you can just text RNM to 352-329-2301, or you use the card in the back of the chair, pull it out, and on the back side, it says, send me information about Right Now Media. And we'll send you a link, I guess, is what we do with that. Or we'll show you how you can do that. And then you get all of those videos free. So every week, every morning, you can meet with your family and say, we're going to do devotion today. And this is how we're going to do it. So two sources for you there. So how do I put God first? Number one, I give him the first part of my day. Second of all, I give him the first day of the week. Sundays is the Lord's day. It's his day. So I'm giving him this. Know that he's going to redeem the rest of the week. It's the principle of first, putting him first. So it's not negotiable. Are we going to go to church today or are we not? No, we're going to go. We're going to go. We're not going to, but we can stay home and we can watch in our pajamas and you can serve me biscuits and gravy and do all of that. No, we're going to go because there's something happens. There may be somebody at church today that needs me to add value to them. There may be somebody at church today that needs me to come up to them and say, hey, how are you doing? Maybe somebody needs me to come up to them when Andrea asked that question, what'd you do a million dollars? And whatever you said might add value to them. But what if you stayed home? What have you said? You don't want to miss next Sunday. I know next Sunday's Father's Day. That's a special day. You're going to hear a testimony of a WWE wrestler who's in this church and who is a successful businessman. You're going to hear his story. It will change your life. And then we got Uncle Kevin with us. And I already know what he's going to teach. He said, Terry, he said, weeks ago, the Lord dropped a fresh word in my heart about people that are so crushed with life, they don't know what to do. He said, I have a fresh word from God. So if you know somebody that's crushed, if you know somebody that's down, and yourself, you need to get here, all right? You need to be here next week. Every Sunday, you need to be here. So give God the first part of your day, give him the first part of your week, and give him the first place in your heart. First place, put him first. God, you are first. You say, well, 
how do I do that? Is it just, do I just say it? Jesus, I put you first in my life. Yeah, you can do that. But then you got to put some, you got to put some actions to it. You know, I can tell Anita all day long, oh, I love you. You're so wonderful. You're so hot. You're so beautiful. Man, I just, I just married over myself, you know, up, up above. And you just, man, you just, you're just so great. And all those are truths. But, you know, when it comes to me helping to make the bed yeah. or do the dishes yeah. or vacuum, right. clean the commodes, yeah, I do those things. Yeah. You know why? Because we both work here. So why would I go home and say, okay, it's up to you, lady. That Italian, New York Italian would come out of her strong, right? <laughs> but I wonder when New York Italian comes out of Jesus. <laughs> Jerusalem, Jesus. We say, I love you. I love you first in my life. And then he says, okay, I'm going to give you a test to really see if I'm first. So what would that be? You fast every day. You pray every day. You, uh, uh, you know, you come to church every day. No, that's not what he says. This is practical. Listen to this. He says, here's how I'm going to see if you put me number one in your life. Give God the first portion of your finances. Wow. Give God the first part of your day. Hey, that's great. Give God the first part of your week. Okay. Give him first place in your heart. That's, how, how do you measure that? And he says, oh, you want to know how to measure it? Here it is. You present me, you bring to me, you return to me the first fruits of your increase. People say, are you going to talk about tithe? No, I'm talking about giving, putting God first. Tithe is one of the principles of that. Deuteronomy 14 and 23, read this out loud with me. The purpose of tithing is that the church can get rich. The purpose of tithing, no, the purpose of tithing is what? To teach you always to put God first in your lives. So look at your neighbor. Say, is he first? Show me a checkbook. No, don't, don't do that. Is that what it says or not? The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Now, they were an agriculture society, and so that was just simply saying that their bills can be paid and there'll be an overflow in their life of new wine, which is fresh wine, that which brings us joy. But he says, if you will honor the Lord with your possessions and... The first fruits of your increase. So here's the principle of tithing. Now, we talked about this between services. Several people said, man, that really brought light to me. That really helped me. And somebody said, you know, I think it's because the reason some people never give or never generous is because they've never been taught the principle of tithing. It's tithing, T-I-T-H-I-N-G, not tithing, T-I-D-I-N-G. Because sometimes people say, this is my tithe. And they write out T-I-D-E. So, yeah, roll tide. No. I opened myself up for that one, didn't I? We'll do the first service, not the second. 
The principle of tithing. Read this with me. Tithing is the practical and consistent way that we put God first in our lives and develop spiritual habits. Practical and consistent. I want God to be first. So he says, okay, how are you doing with the tithe? The first 10%, tithe means 10, it's the number word 10, the first 10% of your increase. Look at the second quote there. It's a tangible way we put God first in our lives and clearly establish our priorities and who we are serving. You need to put those somewhere where you see them. Malachi 3 and 10. This is the only place God in the Bible says, test me in this. He said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. The tithe doesn't go to a, a ministry. A tithe doesn't go to some civic organization. The tithe comes to the storehouse where you're fed, to the church. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. Food for what? Blessings to bless other people. If you do this, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll open up the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, he says. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease and love bugs. Your grapes will not fall on the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed. You say, yeah, but that's Old Testament. Well, okay. Jesus said this in Matthew 23, 23. Read it with me. You should tithe. What? You should tithe. Yes, but don't neglect the important things. He's saying, look, tithing is not a goal. Tithing is not a New Testament law. It's just the starting principle to prove that I'm going to put God first in my life. Somebody said, I think it was Edwin said, you know, I went to the Catholic church and said, you know, when the offering time came around, I'd just feel in my pocket and see what I had, and I would just give God whatever I had in my pocket or part of it. He probably didn't give it all, knowing Edwin. He probably took a dollar out of that and just gave a dollar. He said, because I was never taught the principle. I was never taught this principle. Uh, this is just what we do here at the Father's house. We don't, with the tithe that comes in here, we turn around and we give away the tithe, 10% of the tithe. We give that away to other ministries, other churches. In our community, we give that to civic organizations in different ways. We help do that. In fact, if you'd like to know how that we're not a bank, but a funnel outside as you leave on the wall over there, there's this thing called TFH Missions. So let me just tell you a little bit how we funnel the tithe out of here into other places. We help support over at First Baptist, the Christian Care Center that deals with pregnancy and family care center and the children's shelter there. We do that. We help Leesburg Elementary School next door. We honor the teachers. We do the very things for them. We clean up and we do that. Come as you are ministry, which is a homeless ministry. We don't try to reproduce a homeless ministry, but we come alongside of them and we send out tithe to help them. Small businesses. We were able to help several small businesses during COVID. We help, we help bail out two other churches. Two other churches that were going to go under. We helped tithe and help them continue. I mean, we, we helped start a new church last year uh, with, that's called Remnant Church that's not even affiliated with us just because we believe the young man had a great vision. We're able to help with E3 Family Solutions, which goes into the school system and helps kids make wise decisions. 
We help support Victory Junction Camp, which enriches the lives of kids that have serious illnesses and they couldn't go to camp anywhere else. During disaster relief, we were able to send money to Kentucky, we send money to Texas, send money to the Ukraine, send money anytime there was a disaster. We could simply write a check and get that tithe going out. Why? Because God has blessed us so that we can bless others. We help support A21, which is uh, to stop human exploitation and trafficking, EME Ministries in Greece, Threads of Hope, Open Door Ministries, uh, Favor Africa, Compassion International, uh, Ark Church Planting, Help New Churches. And we have Follow the Need here with Lila and, uh, and Richard, that they see needs around the world, and we're able to help them and support them and financially, because that's what the Father's House does. Not only that, but from time to time, we'll have some of our members, some of you, come and say, we can't make our bill this month. We can't do that. Tim will say, let me see your budget. Let me see, are you a tither? Because you see, if we give you money and you're not a tither, it's not going to help you. It's just going to be more supportive that, you know, we look to somebody else for our source instead of putting God first. So we're able to pay light bills. We're able to help people. We're able to pull those things around. Why? Because we as a church, because you as a church believe in generosity, because you as a church believe it's not all about just a church trying to get money, but it's a source in which that I can flow some the tithe and offering so that we can bless other people who need a blessing. I believe that's a good place to give the Lord a hand clap. Here's a great book, and we've got some of these books today if you'd like. This is called The Generosity Secret, How to Get Out of Debt and Find Financial Freedom by my friend Nelson Searcy. I think these books are 11 bucks. They help you uh, set up a budget. They help you make some practical decisions. And we have those available out there if you'd like to give one of those today. So how do we put God first? Well, we give him the first part of our finances. Second of all, we give intentionally. We don't just sporadically give. I don't show, we don't show videos here to get you crying. Oh, I feel so sorry. <laughs> oh, because it touched my heart, I'm going to give. And then later you feel like, oh, I was hoodwink. You know, they, uh, they, they just pulled money. No, we, don't, we, we tell people over and over and over, you know, you can give, but you give of your own heart. If you ever feel manipulated here at the Father's house, don't you dare give. If there's ever a time anybody on this stage makes you feel manipulated and make you feel pressured in giving, don't you ever give. Because that's not a biblical way to do it. So we just say we're going to give intentionally. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in, enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those that we need them, they will thank God. He says, look, give intentionally. Bring the first fruits, the tithe, and give intentionally. Be intentional about who you support, how you support that, what offering you give, and how you help people. And then thirdly, we want to give generously, generously. 1 Timothy 6 and 17 says, tell those rich in the world's wealth, that's you, to quit being so full of themselves and obsessed with money, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Tell them to do what? Say it again. Who piles on all the what? Riches you could ever imagine. To do good, to be a blessing, to help others. Notice every one of these. Funnel. Bless you so you can bless others. Bless you so that you can do something good. Bless you so you can help others. So that you could be extravagantly generous. And then number four, we need to stay dependent on God. Say dependent on God. 
I hear people say, you know, I want to be financially secure. I want to be financially independent. No, you don't. You want to be dependent constantly on God. Because you see, when you get to the place that you're fight, you say, I'm financially independent. I don't need anybody else. Then you just lived up the principle for the love of money is the root of all evil. And because of that, many have been drawn aside. Because you see, you see yourself up here as self-made. Man, I've made it. Man, I came up through the, the, the crud. I came up. Yeah, Terry, I identify when you said when you had nothing and you came up through that. And let me tell you this. As God blesses you, don't ever apologize for his blessings. If you own a house, don't apologize to somebody. But say, yeah, God bless me. Well, you know, you got some new shoes. Yeah, these old things, I, I found them on sale at the rack. They were like 50% off. Why do we do that? Oh, man, I just, you, just, you, just, you, and, you and Pastor Nee look like you have such a great marriage. It's just, it's just so wonderful. I, I wish I could have that. You know, I can't have, no, we hate each other. <laughs> oh, man, you, you have, and, and you do that. You get a new car, and then you dread driving it to church the first week or driving it to work. Because somebody will surely come up and say, oh, you got a new car? Oh, that's nice. And it's, I wish I could afford a new car. I, I wish I could afford shoes like that. I wish I could afford a house. And then we let somebody else's scarcity mentality take away the blessing of Abraham that comes in our life. No. Somebody says, I like those shoes. Thank you. God is so good to me. I have feet that can find shoes that fit. Oh, man, I just, you're just so blessed. You got this business and, and you're prospered. And, and my, I, I, yes, thank God. Isn't God good? You don't have to defend yourself. Why do you want to defend yourself from something that God says, I want you to have? Only if you don't understand it. If you understand and think it's only for you. Only for you. You go to the furniture barn and you meet Mike, Mike and Patty. Patty's a smart one. That's why it's blessed, okay? <laughs> and people look at them and say, oh, I'm envious of you. I wish I could, wish, I wish I could start my business. Well, let them tell you behind the scenes of some of the frustrations and struggles. But then also let them tell you one of the reasons God gave us this business is because we're able to help people. They're able to help people who couldn't even ever have furniture for their house. We'll take care of that. We'll set you up. We'll set you up. I'm telling you, there's something awesome in this world to live a life in such a way that we can be blessed that we can be a blessing to other people. If you believe that today, would you give the Lord a hand clap and say, yay, God. Could I pray for us today? If you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to pray first of all that those of us who are believers, that are Christ followers, Lord, I pray that you would help us to grab the truth of this principle today beyond all the messes that we've seen and all the improper things that have been done. 
bring us back to the truth of your word. And God, I thank you in advance for those that are Christ followers that today, for the very first time, will take a step of faith and worship you with returning the tithe back to you. That they can discover that the 90% will go farther than 100%. And God, would you give us eyes to see opportunities this week of somebody that we could bless? And Lord, that we don't feel guilty for the blessings that you give us, but we find, feel a divine responsibility that it's not for us. You said, yeah, we could eat some of the seed for ourselves and enjoy it, but it's also that we can help others. God, we honor you when we return the tithe and then we worship you in offerings. We don't deserve how good you've been to us. As you keep praying today and talk to God about your life, let me say to some of you that are here today and in your heart, this has really impacted you today because you know that Jesus is not first in your life. And you feel a void inside your life. And today you say, you know what? I've consumed a lot of things to try to fill up this void. I've tried relationships. I've tried making money. I've tried this. I've tried drugs. I've tried everything else. But I still have this emptiness, this void in my life. And you're right, Terry. God is not first. I've searched everywhere. But what's my problem? Well, the problem is that we're all sinners by nature. And our sin separates us from a holy God. We cannot consume enough things to be filled. But today you need to experience the grace of God. Today you need to experience the love that the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that even in while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He came to this earth, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross and he rose on the third day so that anyone, and that includes you, that would call upon the name of the Lord could be saved. If you recognize today that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, if you recognize today that your life is void and empty and you need a filling, you need the peace of the Lord, if you recognize today and say, you know what, Terry, I want to turn in faith from my sins and give my life to Jesus. I want Him to be first in my life. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me and say, would you pray for me, that, that for me today? Thank you, sir. Others today, thank you, sir. Others today, thank you, ma'am. Others today, thank you. Thank you. Thank you today. Others today say, yeah, that's me. I, I, I want that in my life. It's just not enough to fill up my life. I feel so empty, so void. I want to make that decision today. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you that are online, do the same thing. Just raise your hand. Church, would you pray with these who are going to pray today? Nobody should pray this prayer alone. Father God, I thank you today for sending your son Jesus to die for my sins. I know there's a void in my life, and I've tried to consume a lot of things to fill the void, and it's not there. So I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are the Lord, that you died for my sins and on the third day you arose 
I believe today, Jesus, in your saving power. Fill me with your spirit. In the name of Jesus. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.